Okay, I've got something. What do you um, got? I did an Instagram poll, and I asked what people, what type Pokemon they thought I was. What do you think was the top response? I have to remember Pokemon types. All right. <laughs> you idiot. Uh, now, are there new types in the new gens? Uh, not recently, but there have been in the past couple of gens. Okay. Not not this this current gen. There's no new ones that I know of. I'm going to say that I would think of you as a psychic type. Yeah, that was a very popular answer. Okay. Psychic and fairy. Fairy's good. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah, those are all fucking pink. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, a surprising amount said rock or fighting, and I'm like, I'm very wimpy. Yeah, I don't think I would put you in fighting. Definitely like, you not. might have, sometimes you might bring the aesthetic of it, like, mm. to, I don't know, be like, cool or whatever oh like athleisure not not. (laughs) yeah you're always i'm always in athleisure so i'm always walking around in sweatpants christopher multisanti over here (laughs) christopher (laughs) but no like uh like cool kind of like retro like Mm. you know ah, i could picture that anyway uh i realized that we're actually gonna have to save this uh-huh. Now, because that's cool. That's a good intro. Oh, fuck. To talk about okay. like, what Pokemon <laughs> type I would be. Like, that's good. So, okay. That's our intro. That's our intro. <laughs> um, okay, so what type would you be? There's not a nerd type. Uh, oh, yeah. You ha- I mean, you have to guess <laughs> yeah, what yeah. type I would be. Um, have to figure out what I would be. I'm thinking. I'm thinking, what are the nerdiest Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I drew all of us, like, our friend group as chickens the other day, and I drew Grady with a book. And I meant it as a nerd thing, but he did look like a little Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Or <laughs> have my little Gideon Bible or something. We're crossing a lot of streams. Of oh. Someone's going to be like, those are different branches entirely. <laughs> it's offensive. Which is fair. But. Eris complained. <laughs> Get your representation right. <laughs> Okay, uh, we may need to expel a cat here. Okay, hold on. Cat expulsion. Hey, girl. Oh, Commune. Yeah, let's let you out into the garden. <laughs> it's going to get cold, dummy. So the commune is voted. Eris has been kicked out of the commune. This would happen like in the first week. <laughs> <laughs> she need all the food. What type would you be? I think psychic, maybe. Because okay. you're very persuasive. Ooh. And kind of a nerd, and I feel like psychics can be kind of nerds. It fits into that, yeah. I've gotten a real fondness for normal types lately. Like, they're kind of beasts a lot of the times. What is the deal with normal types? I saw this video that was like, what the fuck? Why normal type? They're not, it's a Pokemon. Why is it normal? Like, I guess it's just like, this is just an animal. Like, the one I have, I have the big pig. I'm playing Scarlet Violet, y'all. I have mixed feelings. Anyway, <laughs> I've got the big pig on my team. He's great. I mean, he's not particularly... He's only weak to fighting. Everything else, he's neutral. And he can take a hit. It's a good It's a good type to have. But I guess, yeah, it is weird. It's just like, well, this is just a pig. Yeah, how could you say that about like That's a real-ass Pokemon, but it's just normal? <laughs> it's pretty normal. <laughs> uh. Uh. I did have one other thing that I thought was cool mm. that I read this week. Okay. Two openers, listeners. Yeah. You guys are getting a bonus here. It's uh, the holiday season. We're feeling giving. 
So there was this article in the New York Times. Oh, my fave. Which, surprisingly to me, was not diseased completely. Oh, okay. Was not ridden through wholeheartedly with capitalist ideology. Yeah, that's unusual for them. Uh, it was this article about these Luddite teens. <gasps> what? Combining two of our greatest groups. Yeah, we love teens. Show. We yeah. love Luddites. I'm in. <laughs> um, which is this, it's this group of, you know, teenagers, like high schoolers and stuff, who uh, basically they meet up. They're like a cutout social media <gasps> sort of crew. Wow. And they're, you know, they, they, they have these meetings with their friends and they like put away their technology and just like hang out, like out in the woods or whatever. Whoa. You know, okay. not like out, out in the woods. Yeah, you know, just, just outside. Like, in yeah, outside. Okay. You know, and, they, and it was just a... Uh, it's great. They seem like total nerds, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Not in a pejorative way. I mean, like they're we like, like those. they're reading books and stuff, Fuck and yeah. talking about books and hanging out, and uh, and it was really cool. Where are they from? They're uh, in Brooklyn. Oh, you have to go a little ways to get out in the woods, but still, maybe a park or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they kind of, you know, the founder of it talks about being. Uh, just too, you know, too enamored of their phone, yeah. essentially, you know, and just like it's taking up all their time, like during lockdown, which mm-hmm. we experienced as fully brain formed adults. It would be very hard to experience that like as a, as a young person. For sure. You know, and, and she's talking about basically being completely consumed by social media use Ugh. yeah, and, and, uh, obsessed with that and basically burning out on it. And she's just like, yeah, I put my phone in a box. Damn. And just went without it. Basically, her parents had to be like, hey, can you get like a flip phone so we can keep, you know, <laughs> any sort of tabs on you? Yeah. But it was interesting, this this little group that was not being anti-technology for it, for for its sake, I mm-hmm. think, but for like its, for its positive effects on maybe their well-being. Yeah. Because the, the article kind of talks about how they're how they think they're making more connections with each other and everything, you know, like how it's more genuine. Yeah. So like, I think that's something we have to remember about technology as it exists is that it is under the framework of capitalism. So like they want us to be addicted. They Mm -hmm. want to sell us things. They want us to always be on it. They have designed it that way on purpose. Yeah. And every single service is trying to do that to you and so like no wonder we're addicted to it like i know like i i close instagram and immediately open it again forgetting i was just there <laughs> yeah no i i uh recently took i didn't delete it but i took tiktok off of my like home page which yeah. is essentially exiling it because yeah. I'm, I'm i'm lazy i'm not gonna go find it you don't use the search function no i i, oh, I, I only navigate search. only on my home screen and and basically if i have to go dig something for me, because I'm a peasant, I swipe up to get to my, mm-hmm. like, uh, whatever you call it. It's just a list like of... Like folders? Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a list of folders of all yeah, the yeah. things you've got. And Kyle doesn't even use folders. It makes me so mad. <sighs> I know. He's like, just search for it. I'm like, I, I would, but it just, it looks upsetting. Wow. I know. <laughs> I married a Luddite, but in the bad way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, that extra step is too much for me. I won't do it. So, unless I'm really trying to solve a problem, it's but like idle, just use, yes. just like I have a few seconds, I'm gonna waste them. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of pretty much consciously making that decision of like, I want to waste some time right now. 
Yeah. Oh, I do that and, shit all the time. Yeah. So I recently exiled TikTok for that reason. I, this was a cool part of the article that I was like, whoa, I wish I had people around me like this when I was growing up. Well, which we did have a few, but in the article, one of the club members says, you know, we get backlash. The argument I've heard is we're a bunch of rich kids and expecting everyone to drop their phones is privileged. Mm. Which I guess, I mean, I yeah. can see if you're just strictly make you know, if someone were making that argument, mm-hmm. everybody get rid of your phones. Yeah. That's going to, you know, okay, fine. You know, and basically saying like how she had wrestled with that, uh, saying I was really discouraged when I heard the classist thing and almost ready to say goodbye to the club. Aww. I talked to my advisor though. And he told me most revolutions actually start with people from industrious backgrounds, like Che Guevara. <laughs> We're not expecting everyone to have a flip phone. We just see a problem with mental health and screen use. And I was like, damn. Imagine like If anyone... I'd gone to my counselor and they were like, well, don't worry, man. Like Lennon was a class I'll trader. I'll be taking a look at Che Guevara. <laughs> it's really funny. That sounds like me as a counselor. I was just like, hey, it's cool. Like plenty of great people in history. <laughs> Have grappled with this, like Karl Marx. <laughs> have you heard about this guy? <laughs> I've got some literature. That's amazing. Sounds like, damn, I'm a little jealous. Yeah, for real. Had, that was few and far between for us. Not no. non-existent, but... Not, yeah, very rare. <laughs> so, shout out to this Luddite club. Interesting. The article does take pains, I think, to frame them as as nerdy as can be always being like oh they're talking about dostoevsky and this and you know and it's just like yes but like they're high schoolers and they're probably just having fun too yeah like it's a cool time to like figure out not necessarily what you're into but just branch out i mean just like you know check out things because people say you check them out and sometimes honestly you know say things because you think they'll sound cool but like (laughs) It's a. It's still kind of an an intro to a broader world, and I don't know. I, I felt like they were kind of like a little bit talking down to them, uh-huh. but like I don't want them to feel discouraged of that. Of like you know, because that that's cool. Like, yeah, I think that's great. I think it's it is very important that we examine our relationship with these with these tools of capitalism. Yeah, exactly. All right, now. That we've done two intros. Yes. <laughs> Let's get into the meat of today's episode, which is going to be about the Noble Order of the Knights of Labor. Is it really called the Noble Order of? Uh, let me see. I may have gotten it wrong. <laughs> Immediately out the gate. Incorrect from the beginning. <laughs> Knights of give me Knights of Columbus first. Boo, you Catholic. <laughs> The noble and holy order of the Knights oh, of Labor. Shit, they're two. Okay, double. I double got part fancy. of it. Partial credit. All right. Okay. There we go. Knights of Labor. Let's talk about it. Cool. Uh, they got swords. What? Yeah. What questions do you initially have when you, when Knights of Labor comes up? What are you thinking? I mean, I guess yeah. What are their contributions to the American labor movement? When were they around? Um, did they have any big wins? Are they as dorky as they sound? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, With the dorkiness, we can go ahead and head that one off. Yeah. (laughs) Are they just LARPers? They were dorky. They were not just LARPers, but they were super dorky. Their their (laughs) motto was, and this is on their logo, 
That is the most perfect government in which an injury to one is the concern of all. Oh, okay. That's... So like some musketeers action. It is some musketeers cosplay. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, uh, the Knights of Labor were around in the 19th century. That's the 1800s. I know that centuries are weird for people. They're really stupid, yeah. But it all stems back from like the first century being from zero to 100. Makes sense. Throws everything off. I Okay, this is embarrassing. I have to do that when I like calculate when my anniversary is. I'd be like... All right, to this year, to the like, I counted out. So eventually, it's going to get to the point where I can't do that. But. It's okay. Yeah, that's what I do with teaching years too. Is I'm always like, okay, 17, 18, 18, 19, <laughs> 19 You know, it's because oh yeah, especially because yeah, that starts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So the Knights of Labor are one of the earliest labor unions in the U.S. Okay. But they're not the first. Who's the first? Uh, the first that honor goes to the National Labor Union. That's a, you know, simple, good name. <laughs> that was in 1866. Uh, they were... Damn, so like Civil War times. Uh, yeah. I guess end of, maybe. I yeah, no, after post-Civil yes. War. Yeah. They fought for and won an eight-hour day for government workers. Nice. Uh, in 1868, that was under President Grant. But even though he told government agencies, hey, we're passing this law... Don't like change things like just lower wages and lower hours or whatever. Oh, like okay. we're not trying to do that. All the agencies were like, okay, but then they did that. Okay, uh, they just worked around it. Cool. Um, the National Labor Union also got eight-hour days in various states, but kind of the same deal. Of uh, there, there were lots of loopholes that people got around it. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, there was a precursor to this, but in 1869 is when the Knights of Labor themselves were founded uh, by a guy named Uriah Smith Stevens. Uriah. Uriah. Uh, he was a one-time aspiring minister turned tailor. Ooh. Uh, he was also a big-time nerd, an abolitionist, and a utopian socialist. All right, a lot of hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> he he was... likes God, he has good drip, and <laughs> is a leftist. Yeah, no, he was very well-read, basically. He kind of taught himself this he was gonna go into the ministry this was his family's plan for him Mm. but uh economic disaster happened again always happening yeah so he had he was like well i gotta fucking work i'm gonna become i'm gonna apprentice to a tailor and do that so we can live you know but he was all you know he just had this curious mind so he ends up after kind of becoming a tailor and uh kind of seeing the union movement in other countries because he also was kind of well-traveled too when he comes back uh to the united states starts uh the knights of labor as like a very small and secretive uh group of uh, garment workers basically. okay why were they i mean were they secretive because they'd get in trouble yeah okay. uh, <laughs> this is a, it was not just like oh we're weird and and <laughs> come to my dungeon. cult or something yeah. right yeah no uh Workers faced the threat of violence for organizing back gotcha. then. Gotcha. So, um, I mean, luckily now we live in a world where workers no longer face <laughs> any repercussions for organizing. It's fine. Um, okay, but like contextually, though, I guess this probably comes from like Gilded Age laws, I'd imagine. Yeah, this is almost the, the proto Gilded Age, though. Okay, okay. So, right after the Civil War, you're talking Reconstruction. Gotcha. Which is. Almost, it's, it's kind of the high point of 
um, being able to do any of the, uh, like, uh, what was termed at the time free labor, uh, which <laughs> sounds bad. It sounds like, oh, they're yeah. not paid. Sounds like slavery. It's the opposite of that. Oh, okay. Free labor is like the emancipation of labor. Okay. This was like at the heart of the Republican ideology, the Republican Party. Okay. Uh, when it started. Free soil, free labor, free men. Oh, wow. Uh, so they, you know, That's abolitionists. Like, like Terra... Like, what is it? The the Tierra and... Oh, Tierra y Libertad, right? yeah, 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 that's very Mexican. <laughs> and, and they said, essentially, this was the extension of the American Revolution to the, econ- the economic sphere. Okay. Uh, that this was, we're going to, like, take the next step and uh-huh. say, like, you know, there are people in bondage. They need to be freed. This was something from, you know, that should have been done a long time ago. Wow. But there are people who are in wage slavery that need to be... It's It's not really Marxist. But it's like abolitionist extended. Yeah, and it has that uh, tinge. It to, does you know. for sure. Like it, it makes sense. It's a, a natural conclusion. It's it's just that it's not so much mass politics of like let's overthrow and mm-hmm. dictation. It's more so like a, it's it's a blending of that sort of Marxist tinge of like let's free the workers, but a blending of that with like the old Jeffersonian sort of yeoman farmer gotcha. type of thing of like we're all individuals sort of thing. Like gotcha. The, uh, that was the overwhelming thrust of the Republican Party, basically before it gets um, subsumed into business interests in the Gilded Age. Yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So that's a short time period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in post Civil War Reconstruction era, that's like the possibility. Yeah, shit breaks bad. Yeah, and essentially, yeah, that that it's an entire episode of why that happens the way it happens. <laughs> if we wanted to do that, okay. But the Knights of Labor. Uh, start out as this very small and secretive group, uh, but it is open to every worker, uh, every artisan of any race. Cool. Which is a you that's know, a big deal. Yeah, Stevens would call it a brotherhood of toil, which ends up being a uh, a song. I, I don't know its provenance, but I've heard a, a version of it by Utah Stevens. Utah Stevens. Uh, that's a cool name. The Brotherhood of Toil that is to be. It's 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 a banger. We'll put it on in one of their <laughs> one of our episodes. But uh, it's a fraternal organization. Like it's okay. a club. Yeah, yeah. Um, complete with secret rituals and handshakes. <laughs> okay, yeah, I did see the handshake section. <laughs> They're referencing here in 1869, same year he founds it. The club adopted, the Knights of Labor adopted, Stevens wrote a ritual book. Oh my God. Called Adelphon Kruptos. Oh my God, what a dork. What does the, that mean? Is that Latin or something? I, I don't know. It's really actually Latin, um, but it <laughs> means, I don't, and I don't know what language it means it in. I just <laughs> saw afterward in parentheses, it said secret brotherhood. Okay. <laughs> which is cool. That sounds. It sounds kind of Greek. It sounds like uh, coop, oh, because oh, because yeah, the, yeah, yeah, and then the Adelphon. Uh-huh, yeah, that's, that's very totally Greek. Greek. Sounds totally like assassins. Greek. We're experts. <laughs> Greek listeners are just like that, that means idiots. Yeah, that means fuck your mother. <laughs> um, but it sounds like Assassin's Creed shit to me it or does, something. Yeah. But um, anyway. He writes this ritual book, and it has these secret symbols in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had you look at some of these before the episode. What oh do you? Oh my god! What do, What do you think? Like, what's what was your favorite of these secret symbols? I mean, shit? I like this one, uh, listeners. I am putting two fingers inside mm. my cuff yeah. and a thumb on the outside, as if I were to roll up my cuff to signify that I roll up my sleeves to work. 
And the response that Greg has just done is wiping his brow. <laughs> to signify that I work uh, and earn the sweat of my brow. It's so dorky, guys. I wish I were exaggerating. It's incredibly dorky. It's so good. That, that was also my favorite, though. The sign of recognition mm-hmm. is what it's called. So picture this, all right? You're at some work function. See, this would be handy. Yeah. You're at some place where you feel a little bit out of sorts and you're trying mm-hmm. to like suss out who's cool here. Yeah. And that's like kind of what that's built for. They also had like caution, like danger words oh. or something like, oh, you're looking for help mm-hmm. for somebody and okay. you're like, oh, uh, I need, I need assistance. So you, you say something in a, in a, in a, a certain was, cadence. Yeah. There was like a, yeah, the cry of distress is a good example of this of. I am a stranger, but you have to give emphasis to the word stranger. Okay. In your sentence. And and they actually spell out like it's fine so as to not attract attention from yes. those who are not members to like put stuff before and after it. I saw that for some it. of them, like I, I have come for work or something. Uh-huh. Or like there was another one that was like that, like, oh don't worry, like yeah, try to weave it into a sentence so it's not so obvious. Yeah, like uh, it's you can tell the society they're doing this in is like very on the watch for people doing shit like this and so they're like taking precautions and it makes sense i mean now like i laugh at how dorky it is but it's also like they had to like no one's just that dorky naturally they had to have a reason for it yeah like nowadays what we talk about is operational security or (laughs) like uh, just like technological Mm-hmm. Know how of like, hey, don't put your shit out there. Like, yeah, yeah. Be careful. There's a work computer. Yeah. Whatever. Or if someone's trying to sell you f- explosives, they're a federal agent. <laughs> they're definitely, uh, definitely a federal these agent. sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's kind of what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Is like, you know, like you've got to be cautious. You've got to have the right way to pull at your <laughs> cufflinks. That's so funny. <laughs> So, yeah, they're very secretive. They had these secret rituals. They had, like, this book has, like, how to open a meeting mm-hmm. and all this in it. Um, I wonder because also he was, like, a uh, training to be a minister. It gives me, like, Catholic ritual vibes. I, I don't know if he was Catholic, but I guess no, probably I, not. I, I think that that's not Catholicism, per se, but, like, the mystery mm-hmm. of that sort of uh, that sort of ritual, I think, played a role one of the things he writes in his book is uh, everlasting truth sealed by the grand architect of the universe. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He said, this is uh, that everything of value or merit is the result of creative industry. But it's this, you know, that makes sense to us in that, in that, uh, labor sense. Yeah. But he's, I think speaking in a way that makes sense to him of this religious sort of sound, but probably more broadly makes sense to the people he's talking to. Definitely. It's a very Christian it makes society. Sense. Yeah, he adapted it for the society. Uh remind me on the date. I should know this fucking by now. Uh date for fucking Comedy's Manifesto. 1848? Yeah. So okay, so he could have run it. Uh yeah, no. I mean he he was I think, I don't know about the manifesto in particular, but I know... Was he into... He was a socialist. Mm-hmm. He was a utopian socialist. No, oh, he so wasn't. Marx wouldn't have liked him. Right, Marx would have made fun of him. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, right? Marx would have come out and been like, this dopey... <laughs> this uh, fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah. Waving about the 
wand of a wizard. <laughs> uh, he would have had some very eloquent way to take this I'm guy sure, down. I'm sure. But. He loves a shitpost. <laughs> so if you're out there shitposting... It's okay. Marks was a shitposter. Yeah, it's fine... You know, you do want to get involved. Marx also was an organizer and also, like, went to the fucking actual ass, like, internationals. You know, if you've done a crime, Stalin robbed banks. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're ecumenical here. <laughs> so, uh, also, one of the things that comes out of this symbolism and stuff is the symbol of the, of the uh, Knights of Labor overall, which is equilateral triangle. Within a circle. With other stuff too, right? It's got like, uh, what does it got? Let's see. Because okay. in the front of this, Adelphon Krupos. Yeah, so you've got the triangle on like the... Oh, yeah, yeah. On the, what's otherwise the Organization of American States. Oh, <laughs> the, like the, the okay. Like North and North South, and South America. America thing. And then it's on a pentagon. <laughs> on a circle. On a hexagon. On a circle. On a star. <laughs> There's a lot of shapes, guys. And, uh, yeah, it's... It's an upside-down star, I feel like we should point out. Ooh, so that's a pentagram? I mean, it's not a traditional pentagram, but it gives those vibes. Because I oh. think a pentagram has the circle around it. Oh, okay. All right. I'm not sure on that. Don't. I just thought it was upside-down. Don't down. test me. But the, the article I was reading just, which is Wikipedia, sometimes I say that to disguise that it was just <laughs> Wikipedia. but um... It's a type of article. <laughs> Uh, said it, embellishing it with symbolism from the various lodges to which he belonged. So oh, my man yeah. just stacked them all up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so some early graphic design work there. It's it's an interesting logo. It's pretty badass. I don't like the countries in the middle. That takes away from it to me. It's a little like small line work versus big yeah, stuff. And, and it gets like there's some weird tangents happening like where the lines cross. It's just messy. Mm, yeah. So they didn't need that. Could have been cleaned up. Could have edited that. <laughs> but everything else, I like it. I like the shapes on shapes on shapes. All right, so that that gets a seal uh, of approval. A, yeah, in a very like kind of it's not not esoteric. What's the word? Um, abstract. No, like a geometric. You know the fancy word for spooky. Mm, eerie. No, it's like a a cultist maybe. Mm, okay. It's got kind of occult vibes. All right, occult, occult vibes. Are yes. you still looking for the word, or I, I think that's close enough. Okay, <laughs> I, I can. You can keep going. Thesaurus. So, <laughs> all right. So the the knights in this early incarnation see themselves as a voluntary association of producers. Okay, they uh, really focused not so much on like a mass organization as much as. Uh, personal and professional development of their members. Almost like a guild. Yeah, kind of. Uh, working cooperatively, they would meet together and, you know, essentially have like a service. You know, they would, mm. inter you know, do this little intro ritual and then listen to lectures about the nobility of labor, uh, the evils of wage slavery, you know, how monopolies were ruining the country you're going to communist and, church yeah 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 yeah. like you know <laughs> excessive wealth is is corrupting the soul of man like wow. it was it was basically just a church <laughs> but for socialists yeah that's crazy uh dudes only i assume uh no oh okay you said fraternal so i just assumed oh uh no they were up they were open to 
uh, women as well. Cool. Yeah, that you know they were thinking of things in the binary, but regardless oh, yeah. of race, gender, or trade, everybody was open to it. Very cool. Yeah, uh, this is not to say that every chapter had like lots of women in there, yeah. or even any. Yeah. But it was that was the charter for the whole thing. That's cool. Where did this start? Oh, good question. Uh, Stevens was from Jersey. Jersey. I'm not sure where the first chapter was founded, but it does end up like a nationwide thing. Okay, okay. Like, it's all around. Initially, one of the things that's interesting is that the Knights of Labor, and this kind of carries forward, uh, is that they initially are just generally opposed to strikes. Oh, that seems like a misstep. Yeah, even smaller work labor actions, any slowdowns or whatever. or anything. Yeah. They're like, this is not good. Uh, these things lead to violence. These things <sighs> lead to cool. m- more crackdown <laughs> on workers. It's dangerous. Don't your do knights that. wear your swords. <laughs> <laughs> but they want to be like cool romantic knights. Uh, who, the chivalrous kind. They want to win the ladies mm-hmm. uh, or the men. You know, uh, <laughs> but they don't want to. They don't want to actually do the fighting. Yeah. In, in these early days. Now, they'll, okay. they'll wrestle with that as we go forward. Okay, so I have a question already. Yeah. Why knights? Is it just, is it the religious context? Because, like, we were joking about Knights of Columbus earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, is it just that? No, uh, it's not just, like, a religious sense. But that's partially it. Partially, it's this, you know, it's your call Mm -hmm. to serve, to serve the Lord, but to serve, you know, your fellow people. Yeah, this higher calling, this, what did he call it? The everlasting truth of the grand architect. Jesus Christ. Right? You're in service. Yeah. But it's also the dignity. That goes okay, with that. okay. So one so. of the big things of the rituals that comes through in that uh, at Alphonse Kruptos is that labor should be more honored than the aristocracy of oh, wealth. Totally. Okay, I like that. Because, yeah, my, my confusion was, like, I, I've done a lot of reading on medieval shit lately and, and watching and consuming. So, you know, like, the, the traditional class structure in medieval times was like the three estates model mm-hmm. you know those who rule those who which is basically those who fight which are knights mm-hmm. you know nobility uh, so those who fight those who pray and those who work and so to me it felt very weird to pick the knights but it's kind of like reclaiming that term of like hey we are also noble and worthy of of honor yeah how do you swing your sword how do you get like the vitality to do so it's from the earth that was farmed by mm-hmm. the people, and so we're really the ones. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I think what it's t- trying to tie into, which is, you know, to be more particular about it, maybe a little <laughs> bit more collaborationist of sort of you know saying, yeah, these different groups work together or something, and we're as cool as they are. But yeah, well, I think I, yeah, maybe maybe it is like yeah, we're we're also cool and less like hey, maybe you should like tone it the fuck down so the rest of us can have something. <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> but. It's also, I think, a heavy dose of that is just, like, sounding cool. It sounds badass. <laughs> you know? Don't get me wrong. I want to so, be one. They're just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're fucking knights now. <laughs> That's cool shit. All right. We got the secretive group of yes. LARPers <laughs> going around saying, hey, actually, being a worker, mm-hmm. fucking dope. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a knight. You would think that, you know, they're kind of secretive. They're not doing strikes going to be slow going for them i'd assume but in 1873 
the National Labor Union basically starts collapsing. <gasps> okay, what happened? Uh, they decide that they're going to channel all of their energy into electoralism. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna vote for the right candidates. They're gonna base try to become a political party. They're gonna like elect their candidates and get things done. Nobody votes for them, and they just fall apart. Everyone's like, "Are you serious?" Like, no. Listeners, I'm doing the tiny little head shake, which if you were married to me, you would know means I'm very annoyed. <laughs> What is this shit? It is, is what my, this translates to. It's my calling card. <laughs> it's, it's my tell. Like, oh, you're mad at me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So when they fall apart, workers are left with sort of a vacuum. Yeah. And they start flocking to the Knights of Labor. So you said artisans earlier. Do they mm-hmm. accept more than that? Or is it mostly... Because artisans to me implies like a slightly higher class, I guess, than like more laborers. Yeah, that's an interesting thing about the Knights of Labor is that they were not restrictive as to the types of worker you could be within reason. They did have a few exceptions. Like could you be like a farmer? So yeah, I mean you could be a farmer. So so you could not be these groups. Oh, okay. Who? Prostitute? You could not be a banker. Well, that's fine. You could not be a lawyer. Oh, okay. I, I'm willing to. I think most lawyers of them were rich. Yeah. Uh, you could not be a land speculator. Fuck yeah. Fuck those guys. You could not be a liquor dealer. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Maybe because they're Jesus-y or something. Prohibition was gaining some traction. Prohibition was definitely gaining some traction. So, so this is like the... This is when everyone was fucked up all the time, right? Yes. So Americans <laughs> were drinking probably about f- at least two to five times as much as we currently drink. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's a section in Omnivore's d- Dilemma about that. Just like, yeah, everyone was just drunk all the time. Yes. No, <laughs> so that's... So fucking funny. Because there's so much corn. We're like, well, let's just drink it all. <laughs> yeah, no, there was a thing called the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah. In the early American history, it was just like, uh, they were trying to raise money for the government. They decided to tax whiskey. And the fucking farmers in Western <laughs> Pennsylvania were like, are you kidding me? We Fuck no. We, whiskey is our money. Yeah, that's all we do and here. So, yeah, they, they were like rose up in rebellion. George Washington had to go and threaten to shoot them all. And they ran away. <laughs> uh, but it was this, like uh, teens who were still mm-hmm. like dealing with having to learn received American history in your school. Yeah. One thing that will make it more interesting is imagine everyone's drunk. Everyone's drunk. <laughs> Just from from like the beginning of the <laughs> colonies to like prohibition pretty much everyone was drunk yeah and and honestly it's probably <laughs> going to improve the accuracy of like or your, your understanding of oh i guess i see why yeah, they did that they that seems drunk. pretty stupid that's why they did that yeah they're not necessarily always plastered but they are yeah, tipsy at least probably that's hilarious um but yeah that's one of the things of prohibition is that basically when prohibition comes around looking back it's sort of stupid Prohibitionist? But, yeah. Oh, yeah, looking, yeah. Looking back, but, like, like, at uh, the time, it kind of made sense, like... Right. There are, like, people going blind and shit, like... Yeah, this, this, <laughs> it's the health problems for the people involved. It's the family problems of, the, of the, yeah. them just, like, just wrecking shop in their own family. They, they yeah. were abusing them, for sure. Like, that's a terrible situation. You can understand, you can understand why, why prohibition was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it's something where, like, that was crazy, but it's, like, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and I think that that's partially because of the like legalized cartel we have of alcohol and everything mm-hmm. in our society it's it's a legal drug it essentially, is totally and, and they, they have a vested interest in making it seem like prohibitionists were stupid but it does make sense in their context cheers 
Yeah, we're drinking <laughs> while recording this. <laughs> that was an unsatisfying clink, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, cheers love, to the prohibitionists. I love my drugs. They had a reason for doing what they're doing. So so no liquor life, uh, dealers. Don't be a liquor dealer. Bummer. Uh, if you're going to be in the nights. Also, gamblers. Oh, well, gamblers. I guess if you're... Okay, you mean like I'm a professional gambler or I run a gambling house? It doesn't say. Well, the <laughs> article that I read with Wikipedia did not say. Uh, I'm thinking it very well could be just like, do you gamble? Oh, wow. That, that was a... It's a morality thing. Yeah, that was that was a strong morality thing. Um, I was thinking about that for commune times. You know, there's people who like gambling. I don't know. I mean, when the commune happens... Why not gamble? There's no money. Is it fun anymore? What do you gamble with? I don't know. You're going to have to do something stupid, basically. Like, so... Truth or dare. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's like, uh, you're going to do this, or you're going to have to streak through the commune or something. Or <laughs> you have to jump okay, in the okay. ice river. or Just, okay. you know, weird shit. Just, I was thinking, like, oh, you get, you know, old Mrs. So-and-so made the best pie. We're going to gamble for it. Ooh, that's good, too. Yeah. Reward. <laughs> I think they mean just people partaking in gambling okay. at all. Uh, that was a... So far, I'm still in. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not that bad. But those are the those are the band groups. You okay, couldn't be okay. them, basically. Gotcha. That's not bad. Yeah, no. I mean, basically, besides that, they were open to everyone. And they start growing. By 1879, the Knights had 23 district assemblies and 1,300 local assemblies with around 10,000 members. Wow. Uh, And it's in 1879 that Uriah Stevens resigned. What happened? He's too old? He No, he wasn't too old. He disagreed with the direction that the Knights were going to go. A little bit of drama. A little drama. It's not an organization. It's not a worker organization unless you have a split. Yeah. So he was kind of averse to some of the changes people wanted to do. Newer members wanted to go public. Yeah. They wanted to reduce some of the ritual elements. I kind of agree with that. And they generally wanted to make the organization more appealing to regular workers. Especially, we mentioned them before... Catholics. Ooh. Because Catholics might be cool with the rituals, but not the wrong rituals. Yeah, they're like this. They probably would see it as like a perversion of it or something. Like, yeah. this is offensive. Like, they're, they're part of them. I'm ch- I'm going to channel my inner self here. But part <laughs> of them were comfortable with the rituals. Oh, yeah, that, like, it's like, oh, okay, I got it. I love it. <laughs> but part of them was like, this is sinful. This is, These are the wrong rituals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> blasphemous or something. Yeah. So. It, it sounds sick to me, but I'm a dork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the whole thing was like, hey, lots of our you know working class population at this time sense. is Catholic. Yeah. So we really don't want to piss them off. We really would like to attract them and, and not have their, you know, their priest telling them this is yeah. the spawn of Satan. Yeah. This is the Antichrist. Or, because, you know, they would. You know, they you know they would come out there and be like, and find some clever way to make the homily about how these guys are, you know, taking you down the path to hell or whatever. And, I mean, if you are going to be planning strike actions, maybe don't spend quite so long on, like... Doing your opening prayer or whatever. <laughs> that can wait, maybe. Like, we've got other shit to do. Yeah. So fewer Gregorian chants and more <laughs> strike actions. Okay. Well, I'm in. 
newer members. And Stevens were like, it was like, uh, uh, so the, so they you said, feel about the music guys. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> see ya. So he gets replaced by a union organizer and the sitting mayor of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton. Scranton. Where Joe Brandon's from. From fighting Joe Brandon's hometown, Scranton, Pennsylvania. 30-year-old Terrence V. Powderly. Terrence V. Powderly. Interesting name. <laughs> Powderly. Uh, let's, can I get his Give middle, me a pick. Can I get his middle name? Does he have a pick? Vincent. Oh, quite the facial hair. He's got a mustache that's really long. And then also like a, what do you call the stripe in the middle? Is there a name for it? Not the stripe. I would just call the whole thing. Uh, it's the like a goatee, a goatee, but it's like kind of got some patches in the middle. It's you know? only the stripe, really. It's kind of cool. It's cool. It's a good look. I'd like to see that come back. I'll start shaving everything, but the <laughs> stripe. Uh, let's, come on, Terrence. Terrence. So, yeah, uh, he's an interesting fellow. Uh So he's, first of all, the literal, actual mayor of Scranton, Pennsylvania. That's insane. (laughs) But they say, yeah, be the Knights of Labor guy. That's cool. Uh, So he was a reformist. Mm -hmm. He served for three two-year terms as mayor of Scranton, Pennsylvania from 1878 to 1884 uh, with the backing of... It's sort of with the backing of Slash as a member of, because it's a very loose thing, uh, the Greenback Labor Party. Who, who are they? I know what Greenbacks are. Aren't they the ones that were like, the money's fucked up. <laughs> Let's do new money. Yeah, that's, wow. a, good, that's a good summary. <laughs> the money's fucked up. I think I should teach. I should, <laughs> yeah. I, I should be American history teacher. It's, it's good. No, so Greenback <laughs> is like, uh, the money's fucked up. It's all backed by gold, and only the rich assholes can get it. Mm-hmm. We need to do silver, easy money. Backed by silver, uh, it's easier to get. Mm-hmm. And if you're in debt, and the value of money's going down, this helps you because you can pay back your debts easier. Ah, okay. Meanwhile, the credit card companies, in our modern terms, but the creditors back then, mm-hmm, they did anybody, not like that. yeah, they're pulling out their hair, right? That's what, because like I've always heard it said as like it was stupid because inflation or something. Yeah, yeah, that's how we're that's how we receive it. Mm-hmm. It's just like these yokels these didn't understand these poor money. people yeah. didn't understand how money works. It's, it's like they understood how it works and it fucked them over and they didn't like that. So they tried to do it the opposite <laughs> and then they were crushed. Yeah. yeah. That's part of it. Uh, the labor, the greenback labor sort of aspect was just uniting with the working class in cities and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they supported the eight-hour day, cool. which was, you know, nowadays we're like, I don't like the eight-hour day. No, but I like don't. An but improvement. That's a big deal then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As an improvement. They were, they were trying to get you to where you are now. <laughs> uh, unions uh, and easy money to help farmers. So right. this is the party he was in. That's a good party. Um, I wish we had something similar. <laughs> yeah. The, what would what would it be called now? The Greenback Labor Party would be the... I thought of like a Fox News term of like the kickback lazy party. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking about that in a good way. Sort of like the yeah. part-time... Yeah. Fuck yeah. The, the 42069 party. <laughs> Hell yeah. Four hours a day. 20 hours a week. Uh, what is a six six nine, nine days a year, That's baby? Here we go. One hundred percent. If you want to boil down communism to your friends, that's what we are, and that's what we're fighting for. And There's a great poster that someone made about it. Let me look them up because they're 
It's fantastic. Yeah. The thing about it is they're going to tell you you're oversimplifying it. You know, like uh, no one can survive on that. But you know what? What you're fighting for, that's the end goal. When you, you know, the, the, the way you work out all those details, how are you going to get to four hours? How are you going to get to 20 days a week? You know, that's communism, man. That's, that's how you're going to do it. Okay, it's by uh, Vrenily on Instagram, V-R-E-N-I-L-E-E. Um, and they have a great 42069 poster. And it says, it's not a joke. <laughs> it's really good. They also did a, a rip, not a rip, an homage to the, uh, the, the Soviet poster, the, like, God's not here thing. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. One? The Niet thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, here's the 420. The no God. Yeah, I like that one. Here's the 42069 one. Four days a week, 20 hours. $69 an hour. $69 an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're fucking serious. I love it. <laughs> yes, we're good? fucking serious. Take your pick of societal ills. That would be cut in half by that policy. <laughs> what? Four twenty sixty nine. Oh yeah, yeah. Like just th- like put all the societal ills on a dartboard, throw a dart. It would be cut in half. Mental health, physical health. If you were guaranteed, if that's like the domestic minimum, abuse. Yeah, if this is the like, you are going to drop out of high school and go into the workforce directly. Uh huh. And that's what you're guaranteed. Sixty nine dollars an hour. Four days, yeah, yeah, all that. You're good. Uh, here's the other one. And it says, "We checked. No heaven for bootlickers." <laughs> and it's it's an Im- the image based off of the yeah. shrugging cosmonaut. And the original one, he's like uh, searching. He's that's like, right. No, that's right. there is no God. Which is a <laughs> crazy looking. poster. I love that one. It's so good. Uh, as a religious oh. person, I love that one. But uh, <laughs> he's like shrugging. He's, he's like, just like <laughs> anyway, check out uh, Vrenny. Um, their website is stillvrenny.com and buy these fucking great posters. They're really cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Powderly. Powderly. Back to this goatee man. Powderly, the greenback labor guy. Yes, the stripy goatee. Mayor of Scranton. Uh, <laughs> That's his resume. <laughs> greenback labor guy, mayor of Scranton. Stripy goatee. Uh, Special skills. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's elected as the leader of the Knights of Labor, and he did the reforms that people were talking about. Okay. So he cuts back on the rituals, makes it less religious sounding, cool. and goes public. 1882, they say, we're the fucking Knights of Labor. Here we are. I wish they said it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they expand. They they grow a lot okay. under this. Uh, They're already growing. They so. expand to... From from ten thousand to seven hundred thousand members. Wow! wow. By eighteen eighty six. Now we already said okay. What's their platform? They are open to all workers, regardless of race or gender or trade. Fuck yeah! And they only ban those five groups that we yeah. talked about. So they're they're doing pretty good there in terms of inclusivity. Mm-hmm. They called for an eight hour workday, right. an improvement from where they were. Mm-hmm. A graduated income tax. Okay. And an end to child labor. Yeah, that's important. And convict labor. Yeah. Which is progressive even in the year 2022. For real. Still have that. Still not okay. Unfortunately, if you dig this up in your archive and listen to it five years hence, (laughs) it is probably still going to be a progressive opinion. How's it going, future us? Yeah, this is, this is a time capsule. <laughs> I'm sad to say 
And I hope I'm wrong. I hope so, too. But you guys probably still have prison labor. But I hope not. I hope you're laughing when you're listening to this. <laughs> Those chumps. <laughs> uh, the party also grew a lot okay. in these years and grew out of sort of that personal self-help, mm-hmm. sort of secret society origin story stuff, and into more of a proper labor union. Fuck yeah. Local assemblies uh, developed more into like union locals. Okay. Right? And they had a lot of autonomy... They were very decentralized. They could kind of make their own decisions. And this is where, this will bite them later. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of disorganized in that way. It's almost like, because it is exactly like, they don't have the coordinative capacity to actually Uh, link these guys up. So they say, do whatever you want, you know, and that's fine. It works okay. I mean, it's like olden times. They don't got like phones. Yeah. So. (laughs) They, they don't have good communication, anything. So yeah. It's just like, eh, you know. <laughs> Look, send me a letter if you need me and I'll be there later. Yeah. One of the things is that uh, even though they've grown so much or whatever, Powderly was also an opponent of strikes. What the fuck? So Powderly saw strikes as a relic of barbarism. Okay. He said this is brutality it's only going to same argument we saw before it's only going to breed violence and whatnot the difference here is that local assemblies were kind of a you know disorganized situation they were in allowed to do do what they wanted in that (laughs) front so So they could strike anyway yeah if if the local wanted to strike that was fine it's not to say that the national organization was going to back them up yeah Powderly was still worried about violence. He was also, by this point, worried about the the knights looking like socialists. Uh, he didn't want to be seen as this enemy force. Uh, he was also worried about losing the support of and basically being condemned by and losing Catholic membership because of the Catholic Church was very conservative mm. and saying, oh, if you're actually going out there and doing strikes and all this, you're, you know, doing idolatry because you're putting something above God. What the fuck? The American Catholic Church at this point was very conservative mm-hmm. in regards to the labor movement and yeah. stuff, for yeah. sure. It wasn't monolithic. There were still there were some bishops who were like, "This is cool. <laughs> this is cool." Guys. These knights of labor, are like, they're fighting for the dignity of work and the working man. Yeah, I like mean, that. I feel like that's a sermon I have heard, not to that extent, but like, I feel like that is a theme you can find in the Bible and in in religious thought is is dignity of work of like, yeah. oh, you should respect the poor people. It's 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 a definitely that's one thing they call. Uh, Religiously, they call it Catholic social teaching, which is that there should be a priority given to the poor. Yeah. This should be like a, uh, uh, it's not preference, the the preference to the poor or something like that, which is like not just a charity sort of thing, but like a, a structuring of society to look after the, like the poor's well-being first yeah i mean it makes i mean like the least among you yes that's the thing i was gonna say i just didn't know enough jesus to say it what if you yeah so so you encounter jesus later and he's just like you're a stranger to me it's like what is like yeah whatever you did to least among me you were doing to me yeah and and 
Yeah, I mean, it does speak a lot. Like, if you take a look at how we treat the least among our society, that says a lot mm -hmm. about how we operate. Like, if you take a look at how we treat disabled people, or if you take a look at how we treat prisoners, like, what does that say about us, you know? Exactly. I'm going to look up a lyric real quick because it just popped in my head. Okay. I'm going to try to look up an obscure saint that this old guy told me about. You know what I have to Google on this? Nothing. Latin American saint who helped the poor. Not a lot to go on. <laughs> Latin American. I was going to say, there, there, there are early church fathers who have a lot to say about the poor. I told some kid this the other day in school. Sometimes I just like to pepper these in. I'm like, well, you know, there's some people who say if you have more, you know, more coats, more cloaks in your closet or whatever than you can use, that you're essentially, you know, you're breaking your... You're stealing. You're stealing from people who don't have that. Yeah, totally. That was some sort of early church father or something that basically said that. All right, quick side story, listeners. <laughs> so the, I did a terrible Google and I still got to what I wanted. Um, this comes from, um, I mean, the original kernel came from, I was on the train with an old man um, in Europe and he was telling, I he was a priest and so I was like, What's your favorite saint? Because I like saint stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, this will be safe to talk about. And he, he gave, he, I can't, couldn't remember what the name was, but he's like, yeah, he was this guy who worked in Latin America and he like helped the poor and like all that. And it sounded really cool. And so I just Googled Latin American saint who helped the poor. And I found, and I don't know if this was the exact guy, but he seemed cool as fuck. Oscar Arnulfo Romero y Galdames. Galdames, excuse me, the accent was on the A. But yeah, he he's was cool like. cool as fuck. Yeah, he was super radical and, like, was very against, like, injustice and, like, he was trying to help the poor and he, he got got. He was a liberation theologist guy. Yeah. Let's see, who killed him? Hold on. I can tell you who ordered the killing. That was Major Roberto d'Albison, a death squad leader, founder of the right-wing Nationalist Republican Alliance Arena Political Party. In El Salvador. Wow. Also, his funeral got, like, smoke-bombed. And rifle shots were fired. Jesus, 31 casualties at his funeral. Yeah. No, uh, in this arena, the National Republican Alliance, he is a political party. Wow. In El Salvador. It controlled the National Assembly until 1985. Uh, it controlled the presidency from 1989 until 2009. It gained a plurality in the Legislative Assembly in 2012. Damn, he died right after giving a speech saying, like, hey, don't do not do this government repression and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Okay, it's a future episode on this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar Romero is a, a figure. He's a badass. Okay, anyway, what the fuck were we talking about? Jesus, I guess? <laughs> no, we were saying the least, least among, among you sort of thing. Yeah, and yeah. Which, and then you were Googling something, too. Yeah. It reminded me of a, a lyric by Phil Oaks uh, in his song, Power and Glory, where he's talking about the United States, saying, yet she's only as rich as the poorest of her poor, only as free as the padlocked prison door, only as strong as our love for this land, only as tall as we stand. But that's the, the, those first two lines to me stand out as like, this is as much as, you know, you want to stand tall and brag about your country and whatever. These are the standards you actually have to hold yourself to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, freedom to what? Yeah. So then we... Okay, we come back to what we were actually <laughs> fucking talking about. 
Guys, it's even Catholic recording. Church, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, losing losing favor didn't want to strike. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, so we were saying Powderly worried about the strike. One thing he actually does kind of change eventually uh, is this. Uh, he facilitates on, I want to say. So, like, he doesn't fully change, but he does kind of relent a little bit on the strike issue mm-hmm. when it works. Mm. When he thinks it'll work, which he's not as right about. But uh, the Knights do a actual full-on strike against Jay Gould. Okay. Who, Jay Gould is one of the, like, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musks of his day. Okay. More like Jay Gould. Yeah. He owned 12% of the rails. That's a lot of rails. <laughs> in the United States uh, <laughs> at the time. Wow. So So they they did a strike against him, his, his Wabash Railroad, in 1885 that they won. But Powderly was still kind of like... Eh, strikes. I don't know. It worked, but like, eh. now I do want to add some more like the frights of labor. Oh, <laughs> got him. Now here we here you get to get him some more because okay. there are some uh, shortcomings. All right, for the racist. Knights of Labor. Well, they said they weren't racist, but well, they're not in racist the charter as like their group, but yeah. they do allow local assemblies. To do segregation uh, if they want to. Okay. Now this is something that the early, uh, the the precursors to the Socialist Party of America allow their local chapters to do too. Uh, is that they come out and they say as a whole, that's bad. We yeah. don't believe in that. But then they kind of let their various chapters do these things. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, they also just as a national organization overall essentially abandon their whole thing of like let's be open to all races and be inclusive mm-hmm. and everything and they instead uh cower into the corners of racism and xenophobia mm, okay specifically in regards to chinese immigrants oh no that's not good because you're if you're doing rail strikes like that's gonna involve some chinese immigrants i imagine yeah so they end up supporting the Chinese Exclusion Act. Fuck, that's a bad one to support, dude. It's a barbaric law. It's 1882. They straight up banned Chinese immigrants who, you know, like, who are coming to work or whatever for 10 years. They just say, nope, 0%. Wow. We'll def take the ones we have and exploit the fuck out of them, though. Yeah. Uh, the organization also banned Asians from assemblies. I'm, I was not able to tell if this was like at a national level, like everyone, mm-hmm. or if it was something they let the locals do. But either way, it's bad. That sucks. That super sucks. Uh, the Knights of Labor branch in Tacoma, Washington, did a pogrom. <gasps> Tacoma, you're usually so cool. What the fuck? They did a pogrom against Chinese workers there in 1885. Chinese workers were about a tenth of the population of Tacoma, Washington at yeah. the time. Uh, and they just fucking rioted against them. Wow. I guess violently? or Yes. Yeah. Did they kill them or they just kicked them out of the group? Or what do you mean by that, I guess? A violent expulsion, basically. Gotcha. Uh, the Knights were also individually involved like there was never any proof that the national organization had anything directly to do with it Mm -hmm. 
but a lot of the main members of this were Knights of Labor guys, and they rang the bell at the clubhouse for the Knights of Labor and everything to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it wasn't well, sanctioned, yeah. but still. But they were involved in the Rock Springs Massacre in 1885 in Wyoming. Okay, what's that? So white miners there uh, rioted. Uh, for a long time, basically, they had been striking and being replaced by Chinese workers there. Uh, and so this sort of tension had been simmering. And uh, in 1885, they end up doing this big riot. They kill, the records are unclear, but anywhere from 28 to 50 Chinese immigrant workers. Oh, my God. Burn their houses. It is not, again, not sanctioned necessarily by the national organization, but at the time, contemporary accounts from Powderly are extremely racist. Powderly yeah. is out there saying, like, the Chinese are an inferior race, blah, blah, blah. Like, Whoa. he's, like, just doing racism. Okay. So, regardless of, he can say, I didn't tell them to do this, but, like... Yeah, you didn't clean up shop. Yeah. So, that's a very, I think... You know, strike one and strike two for... Yeah, that's fucking shitty. Yeah, so that's the very big downside to them. Yeah? Now let's get to their downfall. Okay. Uh, Their downfall comes from uh, the Great Southwest Railroad Strike of 1886. Okay. It sounds kind of cool. It does. (laughs) It's got the Great Southwest. (laughs) There's a chili cook-off involved. (laughs) So what happened here is that the Knights of Labor had won an agreement from our buddy, friend of the show, Jay Gould. Mr. Gould. His Union Pacific Railroad in 1885, they won an agreement by striking and everything. Mm -hmm. That no worker would be fired without due notice and an investigation. Okay. But lo and behold, (laughs) March 1st, 1886, the very next year, in... The bustling metropolis of Marshall, Texas. <gasps> Marshall, Texas? Marshall, Texas, oh indeed. Oh my gosh. That's our neck of the fucking woods. A gentleman by the name of Charles A. Hall was fired for attending a Knights of Labor meeting. <gasps> That's not cool. Martin Irons, the founder and the leader of the local district assembly number 101 of the Knights of Labor, agreed. Mm-hmm. He said, that ain't cool. That ain't cool, man. <laughs> Come on, man. So he called a strike vote and the strike was on. Okay. Hell yeah. Within a week, more than 200,000 railroad workers went out on strike in Texas, Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, and Illinois. Fuck yeah. That's a lot of folks. Unfortunately, this did not include the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers. Whoa, different different brotherhood. Okay. Yeah, so the engineers did not go on strike. Fuck. They kept doing their thing, which I think weakened the overall effort. Yeah. still got the engineers going. And Gould, of course, what's he going to do? He's going to hire scabs. Mm-hmm. Including Pinkerton agents. Ew, hate those guys. Yeah, these guys... Any deaths they met were well deserved. <laughs> Unless they were peaceful and with their families. More like Stinkerton. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, what did the strikers do? So, they took different means and methods, but they resorted to things such as sabotage. Great. 
uncoupling cars, which is a very, <laughs> very like... Looney Tunes. Yeah. It's like, as it's going, you bloop. Switch the track. Yeah. So just, Did they paint like a fake wall on the canyon side? <laughs> yes. They're beautiful. Threatening engineers, either with notes or with showing up at their job and being like, hey, motherfucker. That's pretty cool. Uh, setting fire to train yards. That's cool. Draining the boilers, like the... Mm, yeah. I don't know what boilers are, but they seem important. Well, you need to boil water to steam to engine, right? Sure, yeah. That's how it looks in the cartoons. You drain it, and then you're just like shoveling coal and heating it up like a dumbass, but there ain't no water <laughs> it's there. It's like smoke-powered into yeah, the steam you, power. Yeah, then you suck. You know, it's not going to work. Uh, and their favorite tactic, uh, getting the workers on the line to let the engines go cold on purpose. Ooh. To slow down, because basically you have to spend time to slowly heat this thing up. Mm-hmm. It'll make sure the metal's not Gonna fucking bust. up or whatever. Yeah, but like, yeah, you have to. Uh, it just slows the whole thing down. Oh. It's great. I, my guess is gonna be tying beautiful women to the tracks. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the received history we got from silent <laughs> films at the time. <laughs> they twirled their mustaches. Yes. No. <laughs> now the light knights of labor will. <laughs> Reign supreme over this country. <laughs> That's like a Red Scare film from 1920. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mickey takes down the unions. Uh-huh. <laughs> they would totally do that. Uh, and then Pete is like, you know, down there. Mm-hmm. I guess he's more of a goofy villain. Now, and Pete can be a bad guy for Mickey, too, right? Yeah, I feel like he's more antagonistic toward Goofy. Maybe because they're both dogs. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, the rat. Mortimer is Mickey's mm, enemy. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> very important. Uh, so Gould. Gould. He's like, damn, they're fucking up my shit. Obviously, he just says, "Well, it's I better pay them more." This is the will of the people. <laughs> I've got to respond to it. Clearly. Instead, he calls his buddy, the state. Yep. Okay. Engels told us way back in the day that the state is just simply the tool, mm-hmm. the sword in the hand of the bourgeoisie. Who's he call? Uh, governor? Goes straight to Perez? Several governors. Several gov. Oh, yeah, because it's multi-state. Yeah, so Missouri, they say, okay, all right, yeah, we're sending out our militia. Cool. So Texas, they say, yeah, we're going to do that, and we're going to throw in the Texas Rangers. Motherfuckers. Those are like OG strike breakers, man. The Texas Rangers, yeah, I mean they. I mean, slave catchers to strike breakers, really had, great record. They took a break from massacring the male population of a small village. To have you ever heard about this? No, what the fuck is that? I was reading about the Texas Rangers for this episode just because I got on a sidetrack. Of, of course, course you did. And uh, holy shit, these guys are. I knew that they were fucked up, but wow. So in 1918, a little bit outside the time scope of what we're talking about, it's called the Poor Veneer Massacre. Okay. Uh, what veneer? The Poor Veneer. So it's uh, outside the village of Porvenir in Presidio County, Texas. Okay. So it's uh, quite Mex- south, I assume. Uh, it's uh, like uh, out near El Paso, like that gotcha, gotcha. chunk of the state. The little panhandle. Band. Yeah. Well, that's not the panhandle. The panhandle's up top, so yeah. it's a little. Mm. To me, it looks like a fucked up panhandle. <laughs> I, I agree. A chicken wing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Mexican American settlement there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were sent to stop banditry after the Bright Ranch raid. And they basically couldn't find any, you know, who had done what or any whatever. Evidence. Yeah. Despite having no evidence, 
that the poor veneer villages had been involved in recent thefts or the killing of ranchers, the rangers separated 15 men and boys from the rest of the village and shot them on a nearby hill. What the fuck? We got, ladies and gentlemen, we got a baseball team named after these guys. Yeah, right? Like, fuck those guys. Good lord. Yeah. All right, so we got king shit calling up other shitheads. Yeah. And this, that's, that's, that's one incident. These guys had been known for wanton violence before <laughs> that and after that. Oh, yeah. The saying was, one riot, or depending on who you ask, one strike, one ranger. Mm-hmm. Totally. But then it was so hard to do the strikes, so they stopped working strikes because everyone hated them. Boo. Mm. Maybe we do something that everyone hates. Maybe that's a sign, like, <laughs> yeah. we shouldn't do that. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why I'd... does everyone hate me? <laughs> It must be. It's that uh, principal burying. Uh, not principal. Oh yeah, they're principal not. They're whoever, yeah. <laughs> That's not me. It's uh, them. Yeah, <laughs> Simpsons joke. Something. 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 You know Simpsons. the meme. <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. So, Gould calls in his goons. Yep. The cops and the soldiers, of course, rough people up, and of course, strikers retaliate. Mm-hmm. Uh, a deputy is shot dead in Fort Worth. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, Dave and Dan. That's a joke. What? Actionable intelligence here. Actionable intelligence. <laughs> I mean, cool uh, cool story. I'm entertained by this Cool story. your jets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two more deputies in East St. Louis, Illinois, uh, shot into a crowd of sympathy strikers. Whoa. So back in the day, this was not illegal. Now it is. If you like that your local Starbucks barista and your local Starbucks chain is going on strike. Yeah. It is illegal for you to organize your workplace and go on strike in sympathy with them. Yeah. In American, like, labor law. So it is illegal to do yeah. that now? That's yeah. fucked up. How the it fuck is. are we supposed to have any sort of, like, cross-worker organization? No, that's the whole thing is they want to <laughs> shut down a general strike. They don't want that to that's happen. That's insane. Yeah, sympathy strikes, uh, secondary strikes, which is like, uh, oh... This company that, like, brings in... Ore or something. Yeah, ore from, like, a, 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 you know, war crimes sort of situation. Or, like, this company that, like, brings in Amazon rainforest trees to our paper mill. or mm. Stuff like that. You can't... Secondary strike. You can't say, like, oh, we deal with that company, so we're going to go on strike because oh. they're doing that thing. Those are also legal. There's, there's, there's You can only strike for, like, pay. Directly, and- yeah. And it has to affect you personally. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so mad. Back in the could do what's called a sympathy strike, which is just... Hey, I agree. <laughs> you guys are all... Yeah, you guys are treating those guys badly. I'm going to go on strike and... God damn. Yeah. No, I mean, it was the it was the Wild West in more than one, you know, not just a <laughs> colonialist situation. It was also this. Um, wow. So, the deputies there, East St. Louis... Just shot into a crowd of these strikers. Fuck. Killed eight. Fuck. Nearly shot the goddamn mayor. <laughs> was he there with the strikers? Like for so How else support? does he get shot at? I think. I have to assume. I mean, hey, we have the mayor of Scranton. Shout out or <laughs> shout down to that mayor. Depending Depend- on whose yeah. side he was on. Listeners call in tell us. <laughs> Is your mayor cool? And the, the people, the yeah. good people of East St. Louis, in response to this, had the righteous response of saying you motherfuckers right. and they set the rail rail yard there on fire fuck yeah yeah as as was deserving yeah basically 
What happens here is that because the state was called out, the level of violence escalated. And that escalation of violence ends up turning public opinion against the strikers. Mm, As always, eh? And the Pinkertons being involved, constantly beating people's heads in, attacking strikers, scares many of them into returning to work. Yeah. You've got that scene going on. You've got Powderly being a wimp basically the whole time, saying... Oh, you know, go Gould, come here, please. Like, let's negotiate. Ugh. I don't want to do any, you know, bigger strikes or anything. He's like, he's always giving pulling, away his power. He's like pulling off the table constantly, like saying, yeah. like, we're not going to strike at you anywhere else. Oh like, I can guarantee you that. You know, and it's just like this this complete wimp coming yeah. to you. You know, and 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 with the general disorganization of the strike, which is just like only organized with the local. You know, with the local unions there, the national unions not doing any coordination whatsoever. You know, what are you going to end up with? Trash. Uh, it just, yeah, completely hurts their chances. Gould basically at this point knows that he can just lay on the pain. He can just. Oh, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. If, if the guy in charge is like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. He's like, uh, pfft, okay, fine. And he just like crushes them. Ugh. Uh, but he just uses force, waits it out. Yeah. What's going to happen, right? And and the whole time he can keep running his trains with basically slowdowns because of those engineers that are still running. Yeah. So it's it's doomed, right? Yeah. It's not doomed, I don't think in a material sense in that like Powderly was wise to sit it out mm-hmm. and say like, "Oh, I'm not going to try to push this further." I think it's doomed because of his like unwillingness to like put his you know, put his body in in the way of that and put his people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that and, like, it seems like they weren't connected enough as an organization because it shouldn't have had to be up to just Powderly to do that. It should have been, like, you had enough connected chapter heads to be like, yeah, we'll fucking support you and do that, too. Like, fuck this Powderly guy. We'll do what we want. Yeah, or a national vote where, like, yeah. you know, they just do that and say, here we are. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, why didn't they do that? They couldn't. <laughs> That's the whole thing is that they were so... They were so de- like, uh, de- decentralized. Yeah, de- disjointed, just... Yeah. Wow. It's only a matter of time. Gould does end up winning. May uh-huh. 4th, just two months in to the strike. Uh-huh. It's lost. Damn, right after May Day. Uh, losing that strike, getting that dominated by Gould's railroad powerhouse starts the precipitous decline of the Knights of Labor. Makes sense. Workers start to leave and join a new organization, the American Federation of Labor. Mm. Oh, we've heard of that one. AFL. AFL. It's to be AFL-CIO. Yep. They actually at first compete with each other. Mm Mm-hmm. And the knights look really bad in this. We because, got cool robes. No, <laughs> I mean they look really bad at this because they basically try to underbid oh. the bosses for like, oh, we'll work for cheaper. What like, the fuck? Bullshit. I'm stuff. going to the other place. Yeah. yeah, what the fuck? Sucks. So the AFL ends up way more organized, but they are also more conservative. Mm. So they only want to organize craft unions with mm. skilled workers. That sucks. They, 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 they also only want to focus on raising wages, improving working conditions, and lowering hours. They don't Jesus. want to do anything else. 
They have nothing to do with like mass politics. Yeah. No. They they will support people who support us. So they want to support labor friendly politicians. Okay. In whichever party they may happen to be, they want to be essentially an interest group or a mm-hmm. lobbying group in that sense. Yeah, yeah. But they don't want to, you know, start like a socialist party or start like a <laughs> like a workers party or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, okay, okay. So they're very dialed back. Yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like the things you were allowed to strike about, those are the things they want to address. Yeah. Yeah. And they're saying, let's stick to that, because that's what the laws say. Ugh. Another big thing that happens the same day that the strike collapses on May 4th is the Haymarket Square riot. <gasps> that thing again. That same year, 1886. Two of the eight defendants, they were just, you know, strung up on charges. I mean, like, nothing... Several of these guys were literally, by the evidence, at their house. (laughs) Just not even there. Yeah. Jesus. Can you remind us the Haymarket Strike? What happened again? Haymarket Strike, uh, people go out there. Because of the panic, right? Well, yeah, they're they're demonstrating. uh, They're they're having speeches and stuff about... They're they're talking about going on strike and everything and, and the unfair labor conditions. This is in... Chicago. That's what I thought. Uh, When... The police show up and everything, and then a bomb is thrown. Yes, and we do not know where it came from and who made it or what. Yeah. Gotcha. And some of those guys no, were at home. Never, yeah. <laughs> and and then the cops all start shooting indiscriminately. indiscriminately. Oh, my God. Just the worst. Most of them, and this was covered up in the initial investigation thing, but most of them, most of the people who died in that were killed by the cops and cops most of the cops that were killed were killed by the cops cops. (laughs) it was friendly fight it was it was just like a a mess just everyone mexican you know mexican shootout style just everyone turns boom (laughs) so in the sense of it being a riot it was a police riot yeah yeah they they were the ones that did the killing but when we learned about it i think it was the haymarket affair Uh uh-huh is how the the ap history vocabulary term (laughs) for it was haymarket affair it sounds fair. clean. Oh, it's just a thing. <laughs> it's right? a thing. That, it's the situation. But uh, they have to go figure out who threw this bomb, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And, and they put up these eight anarchists. Yeah, the anarchists always get thrown under the bus first, eh? They really do, in, especially in this case, because like some of them are just charged with like inciting or being involved. Mm-hmm. Because like literally, these guys can replaced by the prosecution as being at their house. <laughs> wow. But two of the eight defendants were Knights of Labor. Oh, dear. That's not good for your PR, huh? The press went all out. Yeah. The Chicago Tribune was all but inciting people to take vigilante justice against these Yeah, guys. fuck. They're like, we found their weird book. Look how creepy they are. <laughs> and people started linking the Knights with anarchism which the press was linking them with terrorism. Wow. And so it was just chaos. And so locals started to ditch the Knights of Labor in favor of the new AFL. Yeah. Which was seen as more respectable, more playing by the rules, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Which right? is funny because it's not that the Knights were like that radical. No. I mean, I think some of their members could have been, but their mm-hmm. leadership wasn't and they didn't have that like in their structure. And so... What did Powderly do? You know, he throws everything down. He loses everything with the respectability that no one gives him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's one of the things I think we'll get to lessons in a bit. But still, 
don't try to play the game. Yeah, because you're going to play by the rules and you're going to do everything they say and they're still going to hang you for a traitor. They're still going to hang you for a for a for a rebel. Mm -hmm. You might as well just call yourself a pervert. Yeah. (laughs) Pits and perverts. Pits and perverts, guys. By 1890, the Knights of Labor were left with at maximum 100,000 members. Okay. And they only decline from there. The Panic of 1893 sets in, makes it times even harder, basically. Yeah. Conditions even easier for businesses. People leave their unions. And by that point, 1893, they were effectively done. Yeah. The last 50-member local, like, just sort of drops out of time <laughs> and doesn't drop its, like, it's it's the only Knights of Labor affiliation yeah. union. They just forget about it, basically. They don't drop it till 1949. Damn. So technically they're around till then, but not really. Not really. They're just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Just some old dudes getting together for poker. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone saw us like, hey, Frank, what's, what's Knights of Labor mean? <laughs> Let me tell you about it. <laughs> he gives them, like, the story of Sir Gawain or something, but it's like... <laughs> he just couch- some names. <laughs> yeah. Sir Powderly. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Knights of Labor. Wow, wow. We say that they get basically replaced by the AFL. Mm-hmm. And that sort of twilight picture is an interesting thing, I think, because the Knights were a prototype of industrial unionism. Yeah. Everybody in the business. Yeah. Right? And they're replaced by the AFL, which is strictly craft unionism of just these particular forms. Yeah, that sucks. But eventually industrial unionism does rise again. Far more organized. Uh, Eugene Debs. Yeah, that's our guy. He's patron saint of the podcast. Uh, He needs his own up very soon. (laughs) Yeah. American Railway Union in 1893. That's Eugene Debs. The Western Federation of Miners in the same year. The Industrial Workers of the World. The IWW. The Wobblies. 1905. Damn, he's my not in that, but it's you know it, it's, it's, it's part a, of the trend. Yeah, and then the the CIO you mentioned AFL yeah. CIO Con- Congress of Industrial Organizations. That's 1935. Those mm-hmm. are industrial unions too. Ooh, so me. that does come back. Yeah. What I think is that these movements learn mm-hmm. from the experience of the knights and from what comes after them, the AFL. Yeah, they're like, okay, well, we can't be too wimpy. But we also can't just play by the rules either. Like, we have to, like, strike and all be together. Yeah, it's a synthesis, right? Uh, There's power in the union of all the working people. Mm -hmm. Striking is important. You can't just give that up. Mm -hmm. Workers being a member of your union, regardless of their race, regardless of their gender. Yeah. And organization. Because I think this is something they picked from the AFL is... The AFL comes out and says, hey, we're going to do craft unionism, not just for the sake of it, because we can better organize our people. Yeah. It's like, it's sort of a necessary step almost. Yeah. You know, and so they say, yeah, that's good. That That's smart. We'll take that, please. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take that. But what else did they learn from the AFL? They learn that you run the risk of becoming essentially a lackey 
of management. You become a lobbyist. You become a negotiator. By sucking up and by always just saying, what can we get? What mm-hmm. can we? You become a business union, as mm-hmm. they call it. And they say, we're not going to do that. Definitely not going to do it. No. We're, we're going to take that other part. But we're not gonna... So it's, it's like dialectic. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the Knights have this imperfect start. The AFL kind of arises from that contradiction. They go hard the other way, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then it swings back. It's like, okay, we're going to take the lessons from each. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see, like, the rise of the, the Wobblies and this, indust- this militant revolutionary industrial oh, unionism. Delicious. That's where it comes from. And, and the Knights, definitely imperfect. But I think that's their role is this, like, this beacon. Yeah. Early kind of, seeds of it, for yeah. sure. So that's why I think they they give us their legacy wise. Another legacy wise that they give us is the song "Hold the Fort," mm. which we heard on our almanac singers. Oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. Hold the fort for we are coming, mm-hmm. union mm-hmm. and be strong. Okay. that's an old Knights of Labor tune. Okay, it makes sense. They do like their forts those nights. And it was an old hymn, and it fits <laughs> into this whole like we're the Christian whatever you know. Mm-hmm. Like so, that's that's one of their cute legacies that was one of the more popular union songs before like solidarity forever and everything you know before the modern (laughs) quote-unquote times so there they are okay yeah i mean i got i got two major strikes and we've already talked about it racism don't do that don't do that racism (laughs) don't do it it. (laughs) it's a poster um (laughs) and yeah you gotta be less of a weenie about strikes like come on guys don't be such a weenie Racism and weenieism. Don't do those. <laughs> uh, so, so you have the immortal science of Marxism-Leninism, and you have the, <laughs> the shitty loserness of weenieism-racism. <laughs> yeah, don't do that shit. <laughs> Not even once. It's like heroin. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. I, here's the thing. I. I. I think that I mentioned this last week. It's like, it's a cool fucking name, but now I want to rebrand it because I don't like the racism part. And I don't want someone to see it and be like, are you into that? Wait a second. Yeah. So yeah. maybe I do make it Frights of Labor, but make it spookier. Ooh. <laughs> you only bring it out at Halloween. Yeah, but we can make it like we're threatening. <laughs> like anti-weenie. Like, so, oh, we'll fucking strike. Like, we buy back. Yeah, no, like August, September, like, is the season when yeah you all that's of when a sudden, we have our big gala <laughs> yeah and you all of a sudden have like you know all the big companies making big deals with their workers <laughs> they're like, please don't leave i know it's about to be fright season <laughs> and the ones that don't they're all in the news and it's like oh shit <laughs> they forgot and then you bring really tr- you put the trick in trick or treat mm-hmm. because you set their fucking factory on fire <laughs> Or you fucking oh. string them upside down over a river or something. You just, know, just, just some, classic pranks. Some classic Dave and Dan actionable <laughs> item stuff. Okay, I like it. And our logo can be like a fucking sick-ass goopy eyeball or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't want it to... I want it just to be more spooky in general. Like, like not Headless a, Horseman thing? Maybe oh, no, not Halloween? My, no, not so explicitly Halloween. Okay. Like not not Jack Lantern. Like, I was, this is my initial thought, and this is just... Just really shooting the shit here. Uh, goopy eyeball getting stabbed with a sword. I don't know why, but it Ooh. sounds cool. All right. And then you, so, you know, you put that like. On a pentagram. You put that on a pentagram. Obviously. Maybe some more in blood. Uh-huh. On, you know, in the 
on the outskirts of the ruined factory that you burned to the ground. <laughs> and that's what the industrial sees when he walks up. He's like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta, got some, some fright strike action. Or not, you know, you don't want to really burn your factories to the ground. Because honestly, we want to take We want to use the factories for uh, our own So, uses. you know, his burnt down third mansion. You just slide on a piece of paper underneath the manager's door. And they're like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. They know what it means. They're like, they're going on strike. Okay. All right. Frights of labor. Yeah. Bring it back. Um, if you guys, hopefully you can download this with like Wi-Fi when you do take, you know, when, when you're forced to expose yourself to Wi-Fi at school, <laughs> you can download it and introduce it. Maybe play it on a, you know, do the, what we used to do is burn it on CDs. Oh my God. So you guys can probably find a way to do that on vinyl or something. I don't know, but like. <laughs> Do it for your Luddite clubs. Oh, whatever yeah, the Luddites. You're, whatever you're doing. Print off the... Tra- make a transcript. Just first do, off. Yeah, just do a transcript. Do do a reading, an old-fashioned reading. <laughs> a reenactment. <laughs> That'd yeah. be so stupid. Do that. Um, train your next generations. Yes. To liberate us all from the yoke of the oppressors. Yes, please. Because our generation, we might do it. We're but in a fucking the, time. Uh, oh yeah, the odds are, are ever decreasing. I so. make Wario noises when I sit down in a chair. I think I'm out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we could. There are decades when nothing happens, and there is, you know, minutes where decades happen. So Lennon probably thought he was never going to see anything happen. That's true. So, you know what I mean? Like, come on, you've lived that long. Yeah. How old was he? Been was... to prison and been out of prison that long. Since so his thirties. No. Oh, is he young? He's older than that. Oh, fuck. It's hard to tell. He seems ageless in a way. Like, I can't picture young Lennon. Was he hot? Young Lennon was not that hot. Oh, bummer. But he's still like a... He's like a Reddit guy. In the middle? Yeah. Yeah, he's not hot. No. Looks Um, like he's going to explain something to me. Like a Reddit guy. (laughs) But uh, he was born in 1870. So if you think of 1917... Oh, yeah. That's a ways. Yeah. So, I mean, when I'm 40... 47? Yeah, when I'm 47, I'm going to think that... It's all done, and maybe it isn't. It's in the hands of somebody else. Damn. Okay. So, it's going to be up to you, young you young bloods, to... <laughs> Not me. To do the stuff and then say, hey, we did this for you. Yeah, hey, old people. <laughs> and then put you and put me in charge. Don't put me in charge, honestly. To be, you know, put someone else in charge, but still. We'll advise. We'll yeah. be like, well, we'll be the historical advisor. Tell you, taste different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next week, we'll cover the big one, the Sino-Soviet split. That old thing that always shows up. Yeah. So we'll talk about its whole thing. Everything about it. I don't know. It's origins. It's uh, it's effects. You know, the it's thing. Lot. Yeah. We'll it's a lot. It. And uh, it'll be kind of free-flowing. We'll figure it out. But yeah. Alrighty. See you then, listeners. I won't, but you know what I mean. Bye. Yeah. Uh, keep listening. Adios. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. 
If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.